Welcome again, everybody, to Mosaic Christian Fellowship, and um, I see a lot of new faces today. If you're here for the very first time, a special welcome to you. Welcome to Mosaic. I hope um, this is a place where you can worship God, find God, and a place where you could call home. Um, My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and um, for everybody here, uh, you may all have been expecting a guest preacher, uh, Pastor Abe to come today. Um, Pastor Abe actually felt uh, the call to a different kind of ministry, and so he will not be continuing his uh, candidacy here at Mosaic, and so um, today you have me again. (laughs) So that's why I'm up here. Uh, But let's pray uh, for him, and let's pray for all the servants of our kingdom um, that the Lord would use every one of Uh, those who he's called to preach his word and to do his ministry. And let's also continue to pray for our church as we seek a pastor, a pastor of community and discipleship, who will join our our great pastoral team here um, at Mosaic. And so we'll continue the search, we'll continue in prayer, um, and today we'll continue in the uh, Gospel Clarity series. If you're here for the first time, welcome again. Uh, In the summer, we're going through a, a series called Gospel Clarity, where we're looking at different aspects and angles of the gospel, but the point is not for us to just intellectually understand the gospel more, Um, but the point is so that the gospel will give us the power that's actually in the gospel to help us to live differently, so that the power that Jesus gives us in what he's done in the gospel will change the way that you live tomorrow. That's why we look for clarity in the gospel, because clarity in the gospel is power, And so today we're looking at a different angle of the gospel. What we're looking at is reconciliation. Reconciliation that comes through Jesus Christ as he dies on the cross and he brings us back together with God our Father. Here is a new angle of the gospel for us that will give us power in the way that we live. Romans 5 is our text today. We're going to look at Romans 5 verses 1 to 11. And if you would turn there, this is what, I love Romans 5. This is such a powerful powerful text that you could preach a thousand sermons from, but today we're going to look at Romans 5, verses 1 to 11, and this is what the Word of God says to us in His mighty, beautiful Word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved 
by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Let's pray together. Father, as we look at reconciliation from the passage that we just read in Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us that we might be reconciled to God. All the power, Lord Father, that's in that truth, all the power that's in the gospel, we pray you would pour out by the Holy Spirit to our church today so that we can live differently, so that we can live in the reconciliation that you have achieved by your very blood. I pray that Mosaic and its members would learn the power to walk in that reconciliation, but first we need to hear about it. And so, Father, we open our hearts to you and say, speak to us. Your children are listening. And so, Father, won't you speak? And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're looking at reconciliation and that angle of the gospel. And we're going to really look at three parts of that. Uh, We're going to look at the separation that we have from God, the war that's actually between us, and then we're going to look at the reconciliation, the peace that was made through Jesus, and then finally what it's like to live in the power of that reconciliation. So war, peace, and the power of reconciliation. Verse 1, again, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. What is reconciliation? Simply put, reconciliation tells us that at once, once we were at war with God. Now, that's maybe something that we don't like to think about, but reconciliation reminds us that we were once at war with God, and yet the good news of the gospel is that by the gospel, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done at the cross. We were at war with God. And now, I kind of want to dig into that because I think that some of us know that intellectually, that before we were saved by Jesus, that we were at war with God, but sometimes we don't understand that because we don't understand what that felt like, right? You know what it feels like when you are in a fight with your spouse or when you're in a fight with your best friend or maybe you're today in a fight with one of the members of our church and you feel that tension, And you know what it feels like to be at odds with someone, but what did it feel like for you to be at odds with God? And because we don't understand that, sometimes we don't understand reconciliation because we didn't know what the separation was. And we don't treasure reconciliation because we can't detect the war. What did our separation from God feel like? What is it? Because reconciliation tells us that there was a time when we were not reconciled, when we were at odds with God. Well, What it felt like was this, by the grace of God and by his common grace, you in this life won't feel the full brunt of it. You won't feel the full brunt of your enmity with God because he's given you grace. It's only after we pass into the next life that you actually get the full force of that war, of that wrath. But in this life, you don't feel the full force of it, but you do feel it all around. You feel it underneath in your life in many different ways. I forget who said it, but some theologian, um, some historian or pastor or someone like that said, you know, the reason that dogs bark at you, the reason that dogs bark at you when you walk by is because they know that you are at war with God. 
Now, I don't know how seriously we're supposed to take that, but he was trying to make a point, right? And the point that he's trying to make is that your position with God uh, was, a, was a position of, of war and enmity, and that's why the dogs bark at you when you walk through. But it kind of gets at what I want to get at, this idea that the war is underneath, that, that there, there's something off in our lives, and our war with God can be felt in different arenas of our life. You know, I think one of the, the, the genius of Robin Williams, uh, for me, was that Robin Williams can make you feel the deep sadness and the depth of the human experience in one scene, and then in the next scene, he can make you laugh your head off, right? And very few people, I feel like, can really pull that off. But Robin Williams can really do that. And, um, you know, he passed not too long ago, a very sad thing. But Robin Williams, I think the, the movie that I was thinking about this week, and I know I talk a lot about movies, but it's, it's one thing that I could really connect with most people on. And it was a movie that came out in 1993, Mrs. Doubtfire. And Mrs. Doubtfire is a great, great movie because it has both of those things, right? How many movies really do that well? Not many, right? Really make you feel the depth of human sadness. And then in another scene, you know, she's on fire and she's, well, let me tell you what's going on. Um, Robin Williams plays this character named Daniel, and Daniel is going through uh, divorce uh, with his ex-wife. And actually for me, I remember as a young person watching this movie, this was the first time that I really understood divorce, was watching Mrs. Doubtfire. I, I didn't really understand the pain and the sorrow of divorce until I watched this movie. But in this movie, Robin Williams, he's, uh, his character's name is Daniel, and he's separated from his three beautiful children whom he loves. And he's separated from these children, and his, the, the whole point of this movie is how can he have more time with his children? <laughs> and, okay, you have to watch the movie to understand why, but he comes up with this idea to dress up as their nanny, and that he's going to become this woman, and he's going to, through this, spend more time with his children by becoming the nanny that they really need. And he's doing all this because he loves his children, and he, he has been separated from his children. And that separation has created this deep pang of pain in his soul. He stands up in court, and this is what he says to the judge. And I just want to read you a little bit from the script. And Robin Williams plays this masterfully in the movie as he's standing before the judge. And he says, Judge, ever since my children were born, the moment I looked at them, I was crazy about them. Once I held them, I was hooked. I'm addicted to my children, sir. I love them with all my heart. And the idea of someone telling me I can't be with them, that I can't see them every day, it's like someone saying I can't have air. I can't live without air, and I can't live without them. So please, don't take my kids away from me. And in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, I think I really understood the pain of divorce what it meant to be separated from relationships that you really need deep in your core. Everything that he did, Daniel did in the movie, was merely a reminder that he didn't have his kids. He said, it's like air. You're taking air away from me when I can't be with my kids. The reason I bring that up, what does it mean that you were separated from God? Robin Williams says that his children were like air for him. God, our Father, at an even more fundamental level, is a relationship that we needed in our life. 
We needed to live and move and be with God our Father more than we need air. And yet, we were separated from Him. And everything in our life, in some way or form, is colored by that separation. That's what it meant that you are at war with God, that you are separated from God. That's why the promotion that you get feels like a, a, a puff of perfume. It's nice for a moment, but then it fades. That's why life and health without the Lord, we're still seeking for meaning and purpose. That's why all of these things, in, in so many different ways, feel so incomplete in our lives. In the Bible, there's a book called Ecclesiastes, and it talks all about that. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, I wonder how we would find meaning and purpose if we cut off God. If we cut off God from our universe, his term is under the sun. What if there was a line that was drawn between us and God and we were totally separated from God? What would be purposeful under the sun? And his conclusion over and over again is meaningless. Meaningless. All of that is proof of your war with God and your separation from God. But don't you see what the message of reconciliation says? The message of reconciliation tells you that God moved first to bring you back into relationship with him, to remedy that situation so that we could have once more peace with God. Let's read verse one again. This is what it says. Therefore, here's the message of reconciliation. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. That's the message of reconciliation. We have peace once more with God. But the question is, how do you put an end to a war like that? Where sinners have rebelled against Almighty God. How do you fix something like that? You see, we know that there's intrinsic value in the people that we love that's more valuable than, let's say, animals. So a child, in who he is, is more valuable than a raccoon. And we know that. So that if something happens to the child, we know that the person who committed that crime deserves a greater punishment than somebody who hurt a raccoon. We know that. And we know that nothing that the raccoon does can make up for the pain that the child feels. No matter how small that child is, no matter how big the raccoon is, no matter, even if their, their sizes are relatively similar, we know that there's an intrinsic value in the child that you can't, nothing the raccoon can do can make up for what happened to the child. That was our problem. In our war with God, our problem was the person we were at war with, we were at war with the Almighty God, and no matter what man wanted to do to fix it, we couldn't, because man is not God. But here's the gospel message, brothers and sisters. The good news of the gospel is that while we were weak, it says here, verse six, while we were too weak to fix the situation, in Romans 5, 6, it says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. For once, one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. You might die for a good person. 
But God shows us his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did what only he could do. He initiated love because only he could fix the war. He moved first because we could not do anything. While we were weak, too weak to end the war, he ended the war, and he died on our behalf. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what we glory in as Christians, that while we couldn't fix it, God moved first and initiated that love, and he brought his son down, and his son got up on a cross, and his son bore the weight of our sin, the things that we deserved, that even if we were punished for eternity wouldn't pay for. Do you realize that? That even if we went to hell and we paid for wrath for eternity, there's never a point where God would say, enough. You've paid enough. Because a raccoon could never pay for the pain of a child. But God, he moved first, and he put his divine son on a cross. And in that divine son's sacrifice, not only did one person get saved, but all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are now reconciled to God. That, my brothers and sisters, is called the gospel. That's how I was saved, by believing in that and receiving that. And my brothers and sisters, that's how you are saved, by believing in that. That's reconciliation. That's the good news of what God did. Now, some people might be wondering, why did he have to do all that? He's God, so couldn't he have just forgotten about it? Couldn't he have just forgotten about the war and, and what happened? Could, I mean, he tells us to turn the other cheek. Couldn't God have just done that? Maybe. Maybe he could have just overlooked it and acted like it didn't happen. But it wouldn't have been real. You know, Mrs. Doubtfire, at the end of that movie, there's this heartbreaking scene between Mrs. Doubtfire, well, Daniel, and his daughter, his eldest daughter, who didn't say much during the film, but at the end of the film, she comes up to him, and they have this really, really sad moment. Um, and, you know, a, as a, a father who has daughters, you know, now, man, every time I watch a scene like this, it's like, you know, it, it, you really have to not watch it when um, you don't want to cry. Because, like, it, it's such a heartbreaking moment. Because this girl, she goes up to her dad, and she says, Dad, well, the story is, he went through this whole Mrs. Doubtfire thing, and it turned out worse because he got caught. He tried to spend more time with his kids, and it, he ended up getting caught, and now he's going to say goodbye to his kids indefinitely. And she's so sad that this is going to happen, and she goes up to her dad, and she says, Dad, you know, why can't you and Mom just pretend to be happy? You know, you pretended to be Mrs. Doubtfire. Why can't you and Mom just pretend to be happy? And Mrs. Doubtfire, or Daniel, he says, you know, honey, we probably could. And she says, yeah, because then we'd be a family again. Then he's, he looks at her with love in his eyes. He says, yeah, we would be. But honey, we'd be a pretend family. It wouldn't be real, you know. You'd know. We'd be acting. And we can't act 24 hours a day. I'm not that good an actor. No, we can't pretend. He said, no, life's more real 
and more wonderful than that. You see what he's saying? She says, why can't you just pretend like everything is okay? Why can't you and mom just pretend to love each other again? And Daniel says, don't you understand? Life is deeper than that. We could probably pretend, but it wouldn't be real. It wouldn't be deep. It wouldn't be family. It wouldn't be what you really want and what I really want. We really want to be reconciled together. And mom and I, we could pretend, but it wouldn't be real. Why couldn't God just turn the other cheek? Why couldn't God just pretend like sin never happened? He probably could, but it wouldn't be the depth of reconciliation that we have now in Jesus Christ. Now in Jesus Christ, we never have to wonder if we are okay with God, never. We always know that we are in deep in love with our Father, the living God, because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because every day we look upon Calvary, it's a guarantee and proof that we are okay with God. Did you hear verse one? We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's reconciliation. For while we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what it means that we are reconciled to him. And God had to show a very specific kind of love to do that. And this is very important, so I want you to catch this. Um, Here in verse 8, Paul says this, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it requires a very specific kind of love to reconcile. And the kind of love that reconciliation requires is a love that loves while it's being hurt. A love that loves while it's being attacked. A love that loves even while it's being harmed by the other person. And God demonstrated this love for us in this, that while we were still sinning against him, Christ died for us. You see, the people who are around Jesus at the cross didn't step back and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's doing this for us. No, what did they say? They spit on him. They mocked him even while he was naked on a cross. God shows us the kind of love that reconciles. It looks like this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's divine love that loves when it's being hurt. That's how God reconciled us to him. And because of that, we never have to wonder if we're okay with God. We are reconciled to him. We and he are in deep love, reconciliation, relationship once more. That's reconciliation, brothers and sisters. Now, finally, as we come to a close, I want to ask, um, what does this mean for us? Uh, What does it mean to live in this reconciliation? How do we actually bring this into our life? Remember, we said that it's not just about understanding reconciliation, but it's about having the power of reconciliation come into us. I want to read from 2 Corinthians 5 to you because Paul, he he talks about this to the Corinthians, and this is what he says. He says, "Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What's the new thing? 
All of this is from God. What's from God? Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, he's saying, listen, I'm clarifying what this new creation thing is. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. If, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Why? What's so new? You are reconciled to God. That's what's new. You are reconciled to God. You are made new in that reconciliation, which means you don't just listen to a message of reconciliation and you say amen. You are made new, transformed into a new person because you're reconciled to God. The power seeps through into your Monday to Friday. And it looks like this. It, it looks like peace with God, now giving you the peace of God. Those are two different things. Your peace with God now gives you the peace of God. Let me show you uh, in Philippians what that looks like. Paul says in Philippians, now that you have the peace with God, now you have the peace of God. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious then. Peace with God now is giving you the peace of God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, now that you have peace with God, the big war is over. Now that you have peace with God, now take advantage of the peace of God that filters down to all the smaller battles in your life. What's warring in your heart this week? What's coming to you tomorrow on Monday? What are the anxieties? What are the smaller wars that you are fighting? Now that you have peace with God, don't you see that you have incredible access to obtain the peace of God for everything else in the rest of your life? We just need to try to obtain that peace of God through our relationship with him. But can I, um, I want to say something to you that it may sound like I'm insulting your spirituality and I don't mean to, but as your pastor, I want to challenge you and ask you this question. Have you really tried prayer? I mean, have you really tried it? I know it's a, it almost sounds like an insulting question, but I wonder how many of us have really tried to see if prayer works. I wonder how many of us are just content with having peace with God. I'm saved, I have my ticket to heaven. And I wonder how many of us have actually tried to access the peace of God in that relationship, in that reconciliation that you have with him. Have you really tried praying? G.K. Chesterton, he said something that was really interesting. He said that Christianity was not found, um, what did he say? He said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Let me say it one more time. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. 
You see, he's saying it's not that Christianity, everyone's tried it and say, well, it doesn't work. It hasn't been tried and found wanting. But we've all looked at Christianity and said, that's too hard, and we left it untried. I wonder how many of us have actually tried prayer, really tried it, and see what the Lord does in your life through prayer. This is what it means to receive the peace of God. Now that you have access, now that you have peace with God, now take advantage of peace that comes through him. The kind of peace that surpasses understanding, that guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To have that peace, the peace of God, that's what it means to live in the reconciliation that Jesus has given to you. Secondly, What does it mean to live in reconciliation? It also means that we are entrusted with the call to bring this reconciliation to others. I'm so glad that our gospel is a gospel of reconciliation and not a gospel of condemnation. Imagine if our gospel was a message of condemnation and then you were told to evangelize. Think about how terrible that would be. Nobody would do it. Right? What a difficult message to go around saying, you are condemned. People do it in Times Square. Have you heard it? But our message is a message of reconciliation. And isn't it such good news that what we get to say is God is reaching out to reconcile you to him and all the hard work has been done. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20. Let me read it to you again and listen to what he says. You have been given this reconciliation. And then he says, in Christ Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Isn't that a beautiful message for us to deliver and evangelize with? You get to tell people that because of Jesus, their sins are not counted against them. And entrusting to us, us? Yes, all of us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Aren't you so happy that you have a message of reconciliation to share and not a message of condemnation? But I wanna tell you that it is yours to share. It has been entrusted to you to share. Until Jesus' return, he's not coming back to share it in person. He's sharing it through you. Did you hear that? God is making his appeal through you, through the places where you go tomorrow, with the people that you live with and your neighbor with. God is making his appeal through you, and you have this message of reconciliation that you get to share, that God is bringing all people to himself. He has done the hard work. Now we open our mouths and we share this beautiful message of reconciliation with those who are around us. You have been entrusted with it. To live in it means to share it. Lastly, what does it mean to live in this reconciliation? It means that you have to reconcile your relationships with others. Verse 18, all this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciles us to him, and then he says, here, here's the ministry of reconciliation. Now reconcile with each other. And some of you are living in breach of that reconciliation, and you're wondering why you don't have power in your Christian life. Some of you are living at war. Maybe it's a silent, cold war, an unspoken war with people, and you're wondering why you don't live with the power of God in your life. He says, I reconciled you so you can reconcile with one another. If you want to live in this power, then you have to live in the reconciliation by reconciling the relationships who are in your life. Who are you at war with today? Who are you at war with today and who is he calling you to reconcile with? You have to live in this reconciliation. If you are reconciled to God, you are made a new creation. And let me give you the two things that I shared with you in this sermon to remind you how to reconcile, how God did it with us, initiating love, sacrificial love. A love that initiates reconciliation And sacrificial love, the kind of love that loves when you are being attacked, that's the only kind of love that reconciles. You know, Jesus once said um, to us in Matthew that, you know, even the tax collectors and sinners, they love people who are good with them. Even even the the non-believers do that. You're good with me, I'm good with you, I love you. He says, everybody does that. That does not fix anything. Isn't that what you see in today's politics? People in their own specific spheres saying, we agree, we agree. And then you have these people over here, we agree, we agree. And the two will never meet. That's the kind of love that will never reconcile. A love that loves people who loves them? He says that's everywhere. But Christ But God demonstrates his love for us in this. He shows us. It's a demonstration. It's an example. Are you guys watching? I put my son on a cross for those who are spitting on him. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of love that reconciles broken relationships. That's how he saved us, forgave us, and brought us to him. And now he says, now I give to you the ministry of reconciliation. Be reconciled to one another. Initiate love, sacrificial love, and live in this relationship that I've given to you. My brothers and sisters, this is a beautiful angle of the gospel that we need to know. It's not just for you to know, but for you to live in the power of it and it will bring shalom and peace into your life. And I pray that this gospel of reconciliation will change the way that you live and give you power. Now that you have peace with God, I pray that you would live in the peace of God. Let's pray together. There's so many things for you to pray with in this time. Um, But those last three things, um, I I pray that you would take some time with your Father.
One, are you living in the peace of God? You have peace with the king of the universe. Are you still living racked with anxieties? That's not living in the peace of God. You are reconciled to him. You have his phone number. Why are you living like an orphan? Secondly, um, who is he calling you to share this message of reconciliation with? This week, you'll encounter somebody who's living a life in anxiety because they don't have peace with God. They do not have the peace of God. And they're living uh, a life of turmoil. And Jesus says to you, hey, I give to you, I entrust to you the message of reconciliation. Tell them that I'm not here to condemn them. Tell them I'm here to love them with sacrificial love. And I want peace with them. Who are you supposed to share that message with this week? And lastly, who are you to be reconciled with? Who are you warring with? Is it your brother and sister? Today, he's calling you to a divine love that brings reconciliation, and that brings peace in your life. Let's live in the power of this. Let me give you a moment with your father to talk to him about all these things, really receive the gospel message, and then I'll pray over you. Let's all take a minute and talk to our father about this. still weak, while we were stuck and unable to reconcile with you, you reconciled with us, because you are able, even when we're not. And Father, we thank you for the reconciliation that we have with you, because now through it, we have not only peace with you, but we have the peace that you give to us, and that now we can have for the rest of the things of our life. Thank you, God, for doing it because we couldn't. But now that you have reconciled us to you, I pray, help us to think about how we are to be reconciled with others. Help us so that the message of reconciliation entrusted to us can travel to those who don't know it. A lot of people think that God just wants to be at war with them. A lot of people don't know the gospel of peace. I pray open our mouths to share a message not only of not of condemnation, but of reconciliation. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would let the power of reconciliation seep into our hearts so that we can live as children of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all rise, and as we give our offerings to God, let's sing that he's able and that he's done all that we need for our reconciliation. Let's praise him for this.